When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hashtag no music, no intro. We're back, guys. I'm super stoked for this episode. It's one we've been wanting to record for a while. It's finally happening. We have Dr. Look how fancy. Oh, I feel so fancy right now. We are now. (laughs) Dr. Lindsay Mitchell joining us, a sports psychologist of the Pave Group. This she has her own business like she is a self-made woman um shout out to our a dude who i'm gonna quickly make a quick segue shout out this is a personal thing i'm gonna make a shout out to to ryan murdoff um he's a huge fan of the podcast he's a supporter of ryan and i doing the show um he's linked us to some amazing people in the in the therapeutic counseling world um and earlier today or yesterday when I kind of made a quick tweet about you know personal things going on in my life my mom being diagnosed with ALS um you know he sends me a a DM he's like bro like my wife is works for the ALS Society of Texas and it just goes to show um and that regardless of how connected or not connected Ryan and I are to the Saints anymore um, something that I'm always thankful for is the community we have in terms of Saints Twitter. It's a very, it's a very amazing group of people. Um, the amount of like love and support that people were show, sending me yesterday in my mentions and the DMs I got. Um, I love that. I love was, that community. It was, it was, it was, it was so much, you know, and I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, so this is a personal shout out to Ryan. Thank you so much, man, um, for everything that you that you that you've done. Um, he was me. a good dude in college, and he's still a good dude. So absolutely, So let's just let's fucking get into it. I love it, Doctor Doctor Mitchell. What the fuck is the paper? Can you? <laughs> what What the hell do you do on a day-to-day basis let's go uh i mean very very briefly so it's a i'm a clinical psychologist by trade i did suicide prevention in the military up in washington dc uh for the first part of my career um yeah it was beautiful talk about a community and beautiful people and and beautiful stories um and so i love the psychology behind our military men and women they're action-oriented right look i got this problem i'm dealing with this thing and I need help. Um, And that's the kind of therapy that I really love doing. 
Um, unfortunately, it's, it is a tough gig and, and I kind of got burnt out really quickly. I still work with, with veterans, just not full time. So I was kind of re, revamping and rethinking what I wanted to do. And athletes are a lot like kind of our military veterans. They're action oriented. They want to get their mind right. I love to be around people that want to um, compete at an elite level be that, you know, business people or, you know, athletes, but that athletic mindset, you know, really, like, I really connect with that. So I thought, all right, I'm going to shift gears. Um, after getting my PhD, I said I would never go back to school. I was a big fat liar. Um, and I went back and got my master's in sports psychology. I was the world's worst student because I said, C's get degrees. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Let's go. Um, let's do it. Um, and then I Moved back to Texas. I got injured and I said, my dad said, well, while you're sitting around doing rehab, why don't you try to, to open your own practice? And um, I dove right in and had two clients and fell in love with the man that absolutely supports me 100%. And so now I work with, so I do about 30%. That's, that's all mental health. So 30% um, of just the good old military, you know, mental health world. And then I have about 70% of athletes. So we're Ooh. just help, helping people function at their very best and whatever means necessary. So I decided I didn't want my name on my practice. So I came up with Pave Group, Pave Your Way to Success. Um, and that's and that's where I'm at. So it's, it's fun to be here. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Lindsay, you said you, uh, you know, you did your, your uh, master's in sports psychology. What does what does something like that entail? That's different from your typical psychology uh, masters. Yeah. So the biggest difference, I would say, is kind of the mind body connection that sports psychology really looks like. Um, mm. So we do a lot of like kinesiology classes, anatomy and physiology. So we're really looking at how our minds and bodies are connected. So wow. whereas your, your clinical psychology is going to do mainly just you know, your neuropathways and, and kind of just the mind. So the, the sports piece, cause we're really trying to figure out how can I communicate with my body? Um, or more importantly, how can I get my mind out of the way so my body can do what it needs to do? So that's the biggest difference is they add that physical component. So we're really looking at that beautiful marriage between the mind and the body. Oh, so interesting. It's so interesting. So I, I have my bachelor's in psychology. Um, nice. Yeah, um, and practice. You know, I, I'm a social worker. I work. I work with children, um, and I, I obviously understand like the the psychology world and what have you. What's in, what's what's so interesting is how sports psychology, regular psychology, clinical psychology are like kissing cousins, but also like drastically different in terms of the the scope of of, of everything but I don't so I want to preface this by saying or asking are you a friend of, of Ted Lasso Do you want I, Ted Lasso? I, yes I, I I wouldn't I thought you said a friend I wouldn't know that he knows who I am but I know <laughs> who he is so <laughs> so the first episode of season two kind of uh I don't know if you've seen it but basically dealt with a player having something happen during a soccer game and then he just got like the yips essentially oh so wow they, so they brought in uh kind of like a sports psychologist to kind of help yep. him through that and it me it immediately made me think of think of you and so all that long-windedness to just say what are some of the techniques that 
you do in terms of helping athletes uh, get to their athletic peak? Absolutely. Well, and I think one of the biggest things, um, I don't know that this is overly popular um, in sports psychology, but I'm a big believer of it. So I figure going to give me a platform. I might as well talk about it. Um, and it's, it's because of the clinical world too. I also believe that we're athletes and um, I play collegiate softball. So I understand, you know, our bodies are our tools and we get paid to play sports that we love. And, and we yeah. really want to be able to perform at that elite level. That being said, I think you got to treat the human as well. Um, especially looking at our youth, we're looking at our collegiate athletes that, you know, they, they need to be happy with themselves. I'm a big believer that when we, when we feel good about ourselves, we have a good support system. We really understand what's going on in our life. When we have a voice in our life, we then become, you know, beautiful athletes and our minds are clear, um, or we get really in touch with ourselves. And so we're able to put our crap down to then go perform. So I think a lot of times sports psychologists can dive right in and be like, all right, we're gonna do some visualization. We're going to do some breathing. We're going to talk about, you know, how you, how your, you know, body is moving and what key signals we're sending to it. And I start way back at the beginning, like, tell me who you are, you know, what are you trying to accomplish all the pressure, you know, here are a lot of college athletes. I'm trying to provide for my family. I'm trying to go pro so that I can help, you know, help with this and that. So mm -hmm. I do think it's a beautiful marriage of both the clinical piece, because you've got to be a good human and you have to create an incredible sense of awareness to know, you know, we're seeing that so much. I mean, we saw it in the Olympics with Simone, right? Like I got to put my stuff down. And when I can't, you know, I need to take a step back and, and figure out what's happening in my life so that I can perform. So I say that before we kind of dive into traditionally what people think of sports psychology is, you know, athletes are humans too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, kind of, you know, switching to kind of football, one of the things you kind of hear from coaches and GMs all the time, um, they you know, during the draft, up, you know, during the uptick to the draft, when they're scouting players and trying to find, look, looking at college players as prospects, see who to draft, who to bring in, you know, basically what's become the norm is it used to be like all about what the tape shows, what they did mm -hmm. on the field. Mm -hmm. But now it's like majority off the field stuff, character. Yep. you know, mental health, um, baggage from family. Uh, right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I tell my, I tell, I tell my parents that I was like, if we've got a college coach coming to watch your kid, they're watching you just as much as they're watching, you know, your kid yeah. too, right? No, I mean, we don't need a parent on the phone. College coaches don't want to deal with like crazy dad, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And even you know, you hear scouts talk about how they like to go to the college during like practice. To mm -hmm. watch the players to see how teammates interact with them, to yep. see how they interact with coaches and stuff like that. And one thing, like me and Adam always used to talk about, is like, yeah. why aren't more professional teams hiring hiring uh, sports psychologists? Like that like is these such a great question. It's it, like it, these coaches. It's, it's so funny because Ryan knows it pisses me off so much because of my career. And it's like you have we there's these billion dollar sports organizations, and yet you have coaches that are 40 to like 50 to 60 year old, mostly white men. Yep. And you're trying to ask them to like do something that's not in their profession, right? Like they, they right. coach, that's what they're good at. Right. And so 
let's let's talk about the Tennessee Titans, right? We're talking about this offline. <laughs> is there a is there a Isaiah Wilson in? I was going to say, man, if there was a Tennessee Titans sports psychologist position, I would be pave group by sign me up. Let's go. Um, although I'd be so emotionally connected. I'd be like, I can't even talk to you right now. You suck uh, on Sunday. Get out of my office. That's a perfect example. Like the Titans spent a first round pick yep. on this player yep. and probably like, like one of the worst NFL first round busts in a very long very time. Very long time. Yeah. Because he just he just didn't want to play football. And that's fine. Like right. But, but how did somebody not catch that so you. far? So far ahead of that. Because one of the biggest things, and, and Adam, I'm sure you get this in, in your job. Oh, well, you know, I took a psych 101 class, you know, I help people, I'm a good listener. and I'm like, it's so much more than that. So where I think the psychology world and the sports psychology world, you'll see this a lot in the golf arena. A lot of golf swing coaches think that they can help with the mental side, right? Like, oh, I can help them with course management. Oh, I can help with focus. No, you're a swing coach, right? You know, football, like you're, like you said earlier, you're the coach. So I think some of that is, it's a little ego because I think everyone thinks that Mm -hmm. that they can, they can do it and it's, it's easy or it feels like, Anybody can do it, but also it's just about realizing again the complexity of the person. I was in a in an uh, office when I was getting trained for sports psychology, and I was brand new. It was like my second day, and I do have an inability to keep my mouth shut, so I'll say that before we keep going. Um, and so I'm sitting there, I'm just listening and observing. A guy, linebacker, very very well paid, um, just got transferred to a team, huge monies, playing great. He's sitting in this room for white coaches and, and I'm just taking notes and his wife was pissed because he said that he thought he was going to be with said team for X amount of time. They just had a baby, just built a house. And so wife said, look, I'm staying put. You go play football. And he was playing bad. And they're all, you know, talking about, you got to beef up. You got to do this. And like, he's playing great. I was like, his family, his problem is because his family's not right. Right. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's not functioning because he can't figure out where to put his stuff down and connect with his wife and try to make it work. And they looked at me like I had eight heads, which was fine. Um, but that's the part part. Right. And when I say that we're humans um, and we've got to really figure out um, how to merge the two and, and everybody play nice in the sandbox. So that's my soapbox. I promise it won't happen again. That's a <laughs> lie. That's a lie. That's a, a huge <laughs> lie. <laughs> I, I guess our, our question is, how, like, if teams had sports psychology, like, let's say an NFL team, right? Okay. Lean to the draft, like what I was talking about. If each NFL team had a sports psychologist, and then if someone in the Saints organization is listening to this episode, because we know, know sometimes that people do listen to our episodes, like, <laughs> just, just pass this along to Sean. But if each NFL team had a sports psychologist, like, how – much could they gain in terms of during the draft process with prospects getting to know how prospects what what makes them tick what like how could that transform um how they evaluate players yeah I mean and I think it's different it's also different you know among you're going to see a little bit more in baseball they've got some sports psychologists that are traveling um to kind of the minor leagues to do a little bit of that but as far as football again I think you just see the nuances that you know 
you're not going to see in in the PT, you're not going to see in the combine, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see it in that athletic way. Also, huge nonverbals. So you could have a guy that's crushing it. And you look, I mean, a big thing in football is communication between your teammates, right? Like you've got guys that are so incredibly talented. And if we've got issues in the locker room, those are going to come out to play. You know, if you're a great player, but you don't play well in the sandbox, I don't know that I want you on my squad. Um, But that's also a difference of opinion too. I mean, there are some coaches that like, oh, Cam Newton's talented or was talented. Um, You know, let's. (laughs) Shots are killed. No, 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 but, uh, but you know, again, you know, you see, you see Belichick's like, I can, I can take talent and I can create it and we can mm. make it work. And then you have other coaches that are like team chemistry. I want the locker room yeah. to be good. I need a good leader. So I yes. think when, where, where sports psychology is, where we benefit is I, I can just provide you information like, Hey, I talked to this guy, good family dude. He's going to lead by example. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of what I saw. And, and, and then it's really up to how he fits in the game plan. So it's no right. different than your physical talent and your physical ability. I just think it's a layer that is often overlooked. So some yes. coaches might say, hey, I like kind of the, you know, the badass, the attitude, the ego. I like that. We need some swag like in our locker room. Like, let's let's do it. So yeah. um, some of that's so, just that sounds, a, that sounds yeah. like Ryan. Ryan loves yeah. adding thugs to the team. Cool. <laughs> thugs, thugs. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have a you have a record? Oh yeah. Oh, him put, right put him on the squad. Like, Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but again, I think you know you're looking at. Um, you know, what you're looking for, for the team, what this person, you know, and a lot of times we'll, you'll see that in the, co- the collegiate level, um, just the amount of pressure these kids are under. So a lot of the work that I do with the collegiate level um, is really creating, like I said, that awareness of, okay, you got a lot of shit going on. I can appreciate that, but we also have work to do on the field. So let, let's talk about it. So I, I kind of went into sports psychology thinking, I was going to talk sports all the time, right? I was like, oh, this job's going to be so great. But 70% of my time is really talking about life stuff or, you know, issues with other players or coaches or stress or money or, hey, doc, I I can't clear my head. My girl like broke up with me. Like, I don't know what to do. And so you're really, that that was a big eye-opening. I've now been doing this for six years. God, I'm old. Um, and, and I really, it was eye-opening for me in my first couple of years. And I'm like, man, yeah, I'm talking sports. And, and obviously it all comes down to performance, but the, the performance techniques are really only about 30% of the job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, just us as, you know, let's say Americans, just humans, we have a tough time dealing with mental health. Mm-hmm. Go down a notch, men. We have a really tough time dealing with health. Go down another notch, black, black men. men. We have a really, really like it is. It's y'all don't want to get in touch. Y'all don't want to get in touch with your feelings. Come on now. <laughs> I do, but I'm just saying, you know, right, right. Culturally, it's been, you know, it's just one of those taboo things. You just don't talk about. It. You tough it out. You know, don't worry about it. You tough it out. Keep pushing. Well, and like and, you, you look know. at athletes, military. I mean, again, that same thing, weakness, same that, thing. that weakness word, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm having a moment. It's that weak right. word and really redefining that and like, okay, let's take a step back. Um, you know, we've got a lot of kind of African-American athletes that are coming out, which I think is great being like, hey, 
you know, we got to be able to talk about it. Um, yeah. Mental mental health trends up and down, but we're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches, players that are starting to talk about it, which then trickles down, you know, and hopefully we can start right now. We're reacting to, to mental health and athletics. And what I yeah. love is to get more proactive. And that starts with the youth sports. We don't need kids playing, you know, this diehard competitive sport when they're two and a half. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, we're really looking at a cultural change in the world of athletics, but giving, you know, strong. So, so in my profession, some, some athletes don't claim to work with me, which is fine. Um, you know, I'm, I, whenever I go out to the field or go out to practice or, um, and that's the other thing with, with men and, and athletes, I'll go out and, and I'll play catch, you know, I'll, or they, they might be throwing the football and I'm just standing right next to them just talking. So it's not that, which is what I love. It's not that in the office, sit on my couch mm. and like, tell me your hopes and dreams. Oh. Um, you know, it's, it's, Hey, be you talk to your teammates, like talk to me, um, you know, which, which I love really getting out there, especially men in general, that face-to-face kind of eye, direct eye contact. They do a lot better opening up when it's side to side and when yep. they're involved in some sort of action. Yep. Um, wow. So I that, think but, it's, that's so funny because it's very similar to if I'm talking to like a child in my caseload, um, like, let, like let's say they're like, they, they've been coached right by their parents and not tell me something. So something that I try to do is kind of preoccupy their minds. And so like, we'll play like a game and uh-huh. like, we're talking yeah. about like all everything in the world, blah, 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 boom, boom. And then like, why, when the flow's going, then I'll just hit them like, oh, boom. What's, so tell me who's such and such. Like, right. what's you'll, going, get that, then, you'll get that nugget, right? That's yeah, all you're looking for. Boom. Exactly. So that's, that's so interesting. It's so Yeah. So if anytime I can get out there um, and then just kind of get that action. And then, like I said, then there's that technique that we're talking about. Like our, our minds are very complicated in some ways and very simple in other ways. So when we look, we, we talk about negative self-talk versus positive self-talk, which really what we're trying to do is be really aware of the messages that we're telling our body. So, you know, don't overthrow it all my brain heard was overthrow instead of hit my target, hit the chest, hit, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll mix, we'll mix in, you know, the technique part of it, but it all starts with, again, it's that connection. You got to trust me. Um, it takes me a long time. Like I've got guys that are like coach said I had to talk to you. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Come on in. You're going to love it. Um, and so you have to kind of let people buy into the, buy into the process. Um, so I think that's, that's a big part of it too, is, is the techniques, again, will come as that, that trust is developed. But a lot of people, um, for the first probably three years, I don't think I had any athletes um, that really claimed that they worked with me. And when I was up at the USAM, all three, all three athletes, they're like, oh, this is my head doctor. This is the lady that keeps my mind right. Like, oh, this is doc. Like, she's in charge of my brain. I mean, owned, owned the crap out of it, which is you can see that that stigma is starting to get removed a little bit. Oh, uh, that's great. That's great. It is. So, so, okay, you know, you sit and you work with an athlete for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, the treatment, what's the, what does that look like? Is it, you know, is it medication? Is it uh, certain uh, tools and tricks that you give them to kind of work through it? How does that work? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's super customized. I think you can't have a cookie cutter approach, just like, you know, all people are different. I think all athletes are different, but some of the main things is if we've got any sort of, you know, again, that clinical piece, if we're struggling with anxiety or depression, we always look at, 
medication support system, um, you know, your day to day, how are you taking care of yourself? So we all, I always start out basic, like ba at the basic level, how are we functioning? And then we kind of go up from there. So I'll work with some athletes for, you know, their whole career. Um, a lot of it can be just maintenance. Like, Hey, I just need to kind of talk through the game. This is what I saw. This is what I was disappointed in myself. So the biggest thing when we first, when I first start working with someone is awareness. We've got to know when most, most athletes, when I first work with them, will be like, well, what went well? I don't know. It just went well. Like I threw the ball good. I felt good. My body felt good. Okay. But, but why? Right. Cause I yeah. think we spend a lot of time trying to fix things, but we don't spend that much time when it's going well. Why is it going well? Because then we can repeat that behavior. We can Ooh. repeat preparation. We can repeat, you know, game day. Like, were you pumped? Were you communicating? Like, what messages were you telling yourself? Like, what was going well so that we can then recreate it as opposed to what was broken that we're trying to fix? So always starting from that mindset, I think, gives you an advantage because and, and so we have to create the awareness and then we have to focus on what's going well. So we're recreating it. Then we work on, okay, what are, what are a couple of things that need some improvement? So that's kind of how I see it. I don't know if that makes sense to y'all. Oh, did I lose you? Oh, sorry. I, mean, I was I was muted. Like no, you're like Lindsay. That makes no sense. I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. Podcast over. I was like, okay. Apparently, that was not good. Sorry. Lindsay, I, I, I was, no, no, no. You're I, fine. Cardinal Zoom mistake of Thank just you. being muted, and we're so classy here that we're not going to even edit it out. We just, we just nope. like our listeners to be along for the experience. Yeah, I um, had a small panic moment. I was like, all right, good to know where we're at. Good to know where we're vibing. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're like, okay, so we weren't doing good. Um, okay, all right. So regroup, regroup, <laughs> shot of tequila, get back on board. All right. Um, so something that that goes hand in hand in your field is mm -hmm. the, the day and age that we live in mm -hmm. with social media. Mm -hmm. It's so drastically different back in the oh, day. Different, yeah. When it's like the only people that would criticize you were like the local radio talk show host and like that's been like maybe like fans but like it's so well, I, think, I think you could drown that out if you really wanted to yeah. but I think that's a lot harder to do now it's so sure. hard to do and the perfect example you know that I think about as a Saints fan is what happened to Marcus Williams after yep. he missed a tackle yep. a miracle um and even seeing other Saints fans, like just right. the vitriol that they had. For right. um, also, it's kind of, I, I had to block people because they were going in his mentions, just being just, just, and that's when I get just like everything, like, like, why are we doing this over fucking sports? But that's a right. conversation, that's a, we can have, we'll get into that. He was, that. he was 21 years old, a 21 right. year old. That's right. crazy, Ryan. Everyone's everyone's telling you you are garbage. Right. You are garbage. Right. And you had a good year. Like this was someone he had an had excellent rookie season. Oh, I was gonna say, and now you're trying to so basically the message that we're sending is you cannot make a mistake. Mm. Right? Like because you like you said, great season, great athlete, great kid, right? And we're saying, hey, but but don't fuck up one time or we don't have your back anymore. And I think that's a hard message to receive from your own community yeah 
And and I think that perfection, or you'll also see like a lot, especially in football, you'll have a guy who's who plays poorly on Sunday, takes his kids to, to school on Monday, and they're like booing their kid, you know, his kids, oh. right? And I'm like, all right, let's like settle down at the end of the day. Like I said, I'm in a bad mood when the Titans lose, but I'm not going to like throw stuff at somebody. So I think that's the the beauty of sports. And what I love about it is that camaraderie and that community. But I think being really careful to check and balance, like at the end of the day, let's get some perspective just as people and social media is tough because it feeds off of it right I mean one person kind of throws something out there whereas before that's locker room talk or you know maybe on a broadcast somebody says something and it kind of dies there the the social media it just gets fuel and and it just keeps growing and then like at the end of the day we've lost perspective he dropped a, a pass and he had a great season right he you know he had a bad game or you know he said something you know, in the dugout that he probably shouldn't have said, and now that's all he's known for. Um, And so I think we're creating, we have this perfection culture, especially when it comes to our athletes, and it's damaging to their mental health. I firmly believe that. Yes. So I'm just glad. So, I mean, and the social media part, like I said, I think it's great in so many ways. Um, Messages to people, you can connect with people, you can encourage them. I mean, Adam, you were even saying getting all the mentions when you put stuff out there. Um, So I think, again, we have to take responsibility for, I love athletes. I think they're amazing um, human beings, but yet they're human beings. Yeah. I'm still struggling to figure out is, like, is social media a net positive for the human race i I just don't know i can't answer you know what i go back and forth i've seen so much beauty and then you see so much pain and um i i i go back and forth with that myself honestly i really do it's something i struggle with from from a mental health perspective or you put it in the wrong hands but i don't know i I could you know talk myself both ways exactly exactly yeah it's it's Wow, man, it, that's such a oh, that's a such a interesting interesting question. Like, but yeah, I think again we we put athletes in some ways on a pedestal. pedestal. That oh I yeah, think they that mm. they deserve and they are. I mean, like I said, they they are great. But on the other hand, they're human beings. Mm. They're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna lose games. We're gonna have bad things happen. And so again, that that perfectionism culture. And I do I do see guys really take that on like I know one of you was talking about just men not wanting to open up or African-American men or and and you're saying like you're getting this message that I've got to be perfect in every sense of the word and now you're telling me I'm supposed to talk to this chick about what I'm bad at or what I'm struggling with like Mm -hmm. that's that that's that mixed messaging yeah and Uh, one of the reasons why as a as an independent consultant so you'll see that a lot in the military I actually reach more military people and I actually think I do better work now that I don't directly work for the military system because Mm. you are still in the system so again you'll see a lot of athletes so teams might not have sports psychologists but um, like Russell Wilson has his own separate sports psychologist that's not connected at all to his team and a lot of times they do that for that confidentiality hey look I need to go talk to somebody and I know that it's going to stay in house so you will see a lot of that too because these franchises demand that they're supposed to be perfect and effortless and no fear and you know tough and then you're saying okay but now you can show weakness 
to her in this yeah. room, but only in this way and only to this person and not when anyone's looking. So Which I think is tough. Yeah, it is. It's, it's extremely tough. It's extremely tough to. Yeah, I think that you brought up a great point about the independent being an independent contractor and not being affiliated with the team or military. Like that's a that's a great point that I haven't didn't really even consider. Like in, in yeah, it just gives you the freedom. The, like if yeah. I want to if I want to say, well, I think your coach is kind of an asshole, right? Like yeah. he's not he's not signing my check at the end of the day, right? And I right. do think it allows you to see them as humans and then we see them as athletes and then I can say all right let me go talk to other people it just it gives you a little bit I've always loved it because it does give you the ability I think to be more impactful Um, Mm. but that also takes a lot of responsibility on athletes to have to then reach out for that help because when you're affiliated with the team sometimes you'll have required meetings right like you have to go see Lindsay every week whereas um, so that's the, the other side of it is sometimes people don't reach out for help, um, you know, when they need it or or they're struggling or, and and the other thing with sports psychology versus the clinical world, clinical people will come in and they know it's a journey and a process. I'll get guys that'll call me on like Saturday and be like, all right, doc, my game tomorrow, like what the hell do I do? And I'm like, okay, first of all, I would charge you a hell of a lot more if it only took one session and one magic word to like get your mind right. Um, And then I would never see you again. So that's the other part too, is we are training our minds to connect with our bodies. We're trying to change the way we think to change the way we perform. And that does take time. Um, And so that's a little, little tricky too, in the sports side psychology world because you are dealing with people that put their head down and they get action really quickly um and they like they'll rehab they're ready to go they want to get back out there um and, and this the psychology with the the sports aspect it, you are retraining the way you think um and when we ask our brains to make that big adjustment it takes some time and and sometimes you know they'll catch you mid-season and i'm like all right like there are definitely things that you can do in the moment to, you know, very simple things like, okay, we got to change the messages that you're telling yourself. You've got to prepare. I tell athletes to do a brain dump the night before. So mm. if, it's, if it's a voice message or, or a note or however you want to get it out, every single thing that's bothering you, everything that's on your mind, every worry or fear that you have, like dump it out so that when you walk on that field, you're as clear, clear as you can be. So like, that's, that's an example of something that, that doesn't take time. That just takes some effort to do it. Um, but you know, visualization, everyone talks about that very hard skill, lots of effort that it takes you to really utilize it in a way that's going to be beneficial. So there's also a little bit of a, a dichotomy there of, I can give you some tips and tricks to like ease some, some things that are happening, but it's also a long-term process. And I think um, it has to be a part of your training as well. So. Mm. I, I want to ask you. Go, go ahead. No, I, I, I just want to ask you, uh, especially dealing with money, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously that's hard just in general as a human being. Right. With money. Then you're talking about like, Big wealth. I mean, right. life-changing, money, generational wealth. Life. Just snap of a finger, it's like happening. I mean, how do you even deal with that? You're talking about family, yeah. you know, family, you know, family wanting to help. You want to help your family, but you also have to think about how to take care of your finances. You're yep. you're working in a career that could end literally in practice. Yep. One snap, and you could land on your. You just take a step back wrong and your career is over. Right. I mean, 
Well, and you also have, you know, you've got money and then you've got stupid money, right? So you've got a lot of guys in the league that are are making, you know, $3 million, right? And so yeah. I'm thinking, oh, $3 million, right? But you got, mm-hmm. you know, your agent, your trainer, your this, your that, your house, your family, like that's, that's also money that you have to manage well and, and be careful and, and your career, like you said, might last two years, right? You know, and, and you might be 24. Well, if you made $6 million and you're 24, that's not going to go as far as, as we would like it to go either. So, right, right. you know, I think that's, again, helping people identify kind of who they are. Um, you'll see a lot of families that are super involved. They'll, you know, oh, you got to give money to so-and-so. Oh, you got to do this. That's a whole nother layer of stress. Um, and so I think as a culture, when we talk about, we were talking about earlier about that perfection culture, um, the pressure you know, it's like, oh, you get to play football for a living. It's so awesome. Well, yes and no, right? My body's beaten up, my mind's beaten up, and now I'm taking on this responsibility uh, of caring for a family. But it's a lot to take on. So I think um, it's a it's a place that a lot of people want to be. Um, but it, there's a, a lot of of mental grind that comes with managing kind of all of those pressures. And like you said, I step wrong and I'm out. Right, and then there's just the stress of you know, people looking at you with dollar signs in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, even mm-hmm. family, even family where maybe you just want to go see your cousin and say, hey, what's going on, cuz? You know, and just talk shit. But, you know. You're, you're not you, that cousin anymore. You're the pro you're, player. You're the pro player. You're like, yeah. but what are you bringing to the table? You're just like, right. you know, are you going to bring some money? Are we going to the strip club? Are we going, you know, it's, right. it's like you can't even just be, just relax and just be, the cool cousin that we were always were is like that's, nah, that's such a good point it's an identity thing it's a who can i trust when can i be myself what is myself oh. what does my real self even mean i mean that's kind of what i mean as, as much as i talk sports performance you know such a big part of it is just like all that crap yeah oh man i can't yeah imagine. that's a completely different other aspect to it um this is we're gonna we can we can honestly have a whole episode on this, but I, I gotta I gotta jump into it. So before and this is a topic and an idea I have thought about for years. We were talking okay. about it before we start recording. And I got like I told you, Doc, Dr. Mitchell, if I if I go back to school uh-huh. and if I go get my doctorate, I truly wanna do my dissertation on <laughs> fans being emotionally attached to a sports team mm-hmm. and how it's almost exactly similar like being in an abusive relationship it's and i i've seen it so much like this there's a whole there's a whole cycle to it right like right now it's the off season is training camp right so right. to me this is the after you know last season and end that well like you know oh it's all this hope it's all this newness yeah it's like it's it's, it's like shiny it's like this is the the babe yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna do better i i i'm gonna i'm gonna do better like i'm sorry i'm sorry here's the flowers i'm sorry yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) you you get you the draft you got the new players i'll buy the jersey i'm back in I'm back in. I got the jersey. I changed. Yeah, I changed. Yeah, I changed. You see where I'm trying? I'm, I'm changing. Baby, I'm sorry. I'm a new yeah. man. I'm a new man. And it's just, it's so wild because, like, if you really think about it, they're fans, especially men. Like, we are notorious for this. 
that are more loyal to their sports team mm-hmm. than they are like their like their actual like spouses and and like girlfriends. Like yeah. like the I like ask a guy, like, bro, how about you just change your sports team? Just like change your team. And they're like, like what? I could what? never. But then you ask them like, hey, like, are you in like are you in Michelle Good? that are in their let's say 50s that have been diehard saints fans since they were in the womb right like their their dad it's a it's a family thing like you didn't have a choice like you're just and so it's like sometimes a sports team people have been committed to that more than anything that they've ever committed to a partner Mm. a job a, a house i mean you think about it if you've been a a religion i mean all of that (laughs) so in some ways it becomes a part of you by the way if you go back to school and you write that dissertation i'm all in because i think it's fascinating as hell and more people would read that than read mine so um, (laughs) i'd be in on that but it's true i mean you've got this commitment like you said i mean it's, it's this commitment to the game and as much as we think we do, we have zero control over something that has such an enormous power over our psyche. None. Nobody cares that you wore the same jersey and you didn't wash it. Nobody cares. There's no effect on it. Yeah, nobody's hearing you scream through the TV that you want them to, you know, blitz the quarterback, right? Like, no one hears that. the The only maybe small like you know change that we have as fans is going to a game in person like right. the superdome or whatever and like creating some type of like home Crowd noise advantage. or something yeah but that's it, that's it. <laughs> and even then I, that means <laughs> nothing well and you and you think you think about it too and so something that literally can put people I went to school at University of Kentucky, and when the basketball team loses, the whole Lexington, Kentucky is in a depression for, like, a long time. And you're thinking, for something that has such a profound impact on your life, there is nothing else in our life that we would let impact us that way Mm -hmm. that we had so little control over. Exactly. Oh, that's so true. Whoa. <laughs> it's stupid, by the way, it's stupid. And I'm listening to myself speak and I'm like, you need to listen to your own shit because <laughs> you need to get over. I mean, even the, the, the people I work with, my athletes, I mean, obviously I'm invested in, I follow them. I want them to do well. I, I look at their faces and I, but even then, I mean, you can only can control that so uh, much and you're so invested in it. Let's go back. Let's go back. What was it? Two years? Was it? Was it the Titans and the Chiefs and the AFC Championship? Mm-hmm. That that would be that would be us. <laughs> Everything was going like so rosy. Oh, and we were, well, we were rolling. I was rolling, like, rolling. <laughs> and then like, one Mahomes epic scramble. For... <laughs> oh. See, like, just just bring it up right now, like you're triggered. I know you are triggering me right now on a Friday night. I do not need this shit. Look what you're doing to me. But it's so true. I mean, I I literally am like my Apple watch that game told me to sit down. It was like, you need to calm down. You're getting like exerted. And that's That's the thing. I mean, it goes back to this love for it, but circling back to what we talked about earlier, that's why people treat people like shit that drop passes so Mm -hmm. as great as it is and as much as I love that community and I love you know I think sports just brings people together we gotta check it yeah Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I need to check it. <laughs> we, we do. Would, we we got to yeah, check it. It's crazy. And I would love to understand the, the physiological response to that. Like us watching a football game. I'm sitting at home Heart watching race. my TV. Oh, yeah. Physical response to watching it, mm-hmm. and That's I'm not doing, amazing. and I'm not doing anything, but yet I feel all the emotions. I feel like I'm a part of it. I'm fully invested, um, and you, you really do. Like my my Apple Watch, hand of God, was like, sit down, sit down. Like you're like, <laughs> like so. Not to, uh, she doesn't. She listens to some episodes. So speaking of the Chiefs, that that same year, my girlfriend is a 49ers fan, right? Okay. Play the Chiefs. Play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. She's yep. she's kind of emotionally uh, detached herself <laughs> from the she Niners. Has an, she has a healthy attachment. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, she does for sure. And she came to that realization before Ryan and I came to our realization of of the Saints. But even that game, she didn't watch it. It was on, but she was like at a party where it was on and. Same thing. Apple Watch was telling her, like, just knowing, like, the score and knowing that the Niners were, like, blowing the lead. It was something that was just, it's just wild, the the grass. Well, like I said, yeah, it's this this connection. And like I said, one of the things I can go back. Um, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of the Tennessee Titans before I was a fan of my husband. I'm not planning on getting rid of either one of them. But, um, you know, again, I think it's that loyalty, that connection. You know, you, you know, a lot of people find their teams when they're kids. And mm-hmm. so it reminds you of watching the game with grandpa or, you know, there's it's such an emotional thing. But I do think there is an unhealthy attachment in some ways and that's why I think we then develop that perfectionist culture which then bleeds in the athletes then it bleeds into our mental health I mean it's it's a it's definitely a cycle but I love the way you compared it to the relationship right like we're new yeah. baby I'm sorry let's get started yeah. you know you, they lose a game you're like here we go again here we go nothing like what go. the heck you know then but, we win a big game and you know you buy the present I mean it really is it's such a good example it's because maybe because i in my job unfortunately deal with domestic violence you know intimate Mm -hmm. partner or intimate partner violence on a daily basis um almost and as i've I've been a social worker for almost six years and doing this i was like there's so like it's the just the parallels just it's almost like a it's a grief process too right you're in denial yeah Acceptance, yes. like yes. you get to, you get to week twelve, and you're like, my team sucks. I've accepted it. Yeah. Accepted. And there's, then there's like, then there's that bargaining of like, oh, if they just win this game, like, right. they can get in the playoffs, they can yeah. go on a run. Yeah, and I promise uh, I'll never get this emotional next year. I'm not gonna watch. You know, you it's this, it's a grief process. It really is. Yes, absolutely. So I, is. I, I love, I love looking at Twitter, and I watch the grief process. Oh, it unfolds on the timeline, bro. During the game. They start off with the just anger and just furious. And then they're like, you know, they're trying to make it make sense. And they're like, well, you know, I kind of understand because. And then they're just sad. And then it's like, wow, this is like, this is sick. We we, we are sick. And it all, and and, and Adam's right. Sometimes it's in, it's during the game. Like if you follow someone's like Facebook or Twitter and you're like, the game starts, they're amped, they got their beer, they're ready, let's go. Halfway through, they're terrible. I'm not watching them again. They're like, oh shit, we're back in it. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) One of the things I I promised myself, I, I don't know if you remember this game. It was, 
it was a speaking of we keep bringing up the Chiefs. It was a Chiefs game against the Colts in the playoffs, and this is when like Alex Smith was quarterback and Andrew okay. Luck was quarterback. It's a playoff game, and the Chiefs went up by a lot, right? Like a shit ton, like just destroying the Colts. And one of the guys I used to follow, he, he got blocked because he was like a Tyree Kill like apologist, so I had to block him. But I would never forget, like he was on Twitter, like talking shit and just <laughs> going off. And Andrew Luck and probably his best NFL performance led the Colts on this amazing, amazing comeback. This amazing come and just how like I just remember his tweets after the game. <laughs> And I was like, uh, and that's why, like, when when the Saints play, I don't like, I don't, I like, I just tweet funny shit. Like that's it. Right. Um, but like, I never go from this level of like talking shit, blah blah blah. Because I mean, as Saints fans, we should know. Like, we should know better. Absolutely. We are never out of it or in it never, until the game never. is over. Well, my brother, because I, like I said, my brother, big te- Texans fan, obviously Titans fan, we're in the same conference. And we oh, no, asked, not the Texans Chiefs game. Yeah, we do not talk to each other. Like, we don't talk shit. We don't do it. It's like, you watch your game, you do your thing, I'm going to do my thing. And that way, like, we're still friends, right? Like, it's so, but it's so stupid. Like, I'm talking about my brother and I have to come to, like, a peace treaty to, like, oh, for a sporting like, event. Yeah, like, over the damn football season. But you look at fantasy football, right? Like, same kind of concept, too. I'm really thinking about adding this to my specialty areas, like military, sports, and then, like, sports fanship. I really like this. <laughs> I'm telling you. I really yeah. like Lindsay, Lindsay, just give me a cut. That's all. Just give me a small all cut. right, I, I'll give you a small cut. A small <laughs> cut. You know the the mental health industry is rolling in the dough. Yeah, so we're rolling. Just, yeah, we're just. I mean, it is the sky's the limit. <laughs> but it's but so I, true. It's, it it's, is. it's a weird sports and athletics. It's a weird environment. And it, and it just it just ties into so much psychology like Uh it's like I was telling Ryan they like when the Saints would lose like you said like you have the like the Monday blues it's so funny because like me and Ryan used to talk about that all the time like you go into work go to the office and me living in California is a little different so I know when Ryan was in New Orleans when the Saints lost he had to go to work like everyone's sad right I'm in California yeah Yeah, I'm in California and so like it's the first thing people want to talk to me like oh man that was that was a brutal loss for this and to the point, like when games were so, like when the Saints would lose, I would be like annoyed. Like when I was when I was married in the past, I would be like annoyed with like my ex wife, right. and I would be annoyed right. with my kid, and like just have like this bad mood. And it just it makes no fucking sense why we get that emotional. And that's one of the things that Ryan and I have really preached on this podcast. We tried to tell Saints fans. You have to emotionally disconnect yourself from the team. Still watch the game. And yeah, have a, a, a healthy attachment. Yeah. A healthy attachment. But, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Healthy attachment. We're not saying, like, it doesn't make you a bad fan if you don't feel bad if they lose. Right. Like, we just right. – <laughs> you're still a fan. Um, I'm really going to have to – I'm going to do some serious talk about self-awareness. I'm going to really check myself this football season, and we're going to have to hop on again. I'm like, all right, boys, I'm cured. This is how it went this year. Yeah. I feel good well, wait, it. wait till AJ Brown and Julio Jones are fucking going <laughs> off. This, and then, exactly. and then exactly. 
get back, get back to I'll be me. Like, yeah, I'll be like, uh, boys, it's not going well. I need some help. <laughs> I, I have a very unhealthy attachment right now. Like, let's and, and you guys play in the AFC South, so like, you don't even have a tough division. Like, yeah. and we and we still and we still struggle. We still struggle. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying. But um, any anything else you had for Dr. Mitchell Ryan for a before we let her go. Yeah, I, um, actually, actually, I do. Just a kind yeah. of quick segue away yeah. from football. Uh, yeah. Since you said you worked, you worked at, uh, you worked for the military on the mm-hmm. suicide. Yep. Um, that's such a big issue, and you know, recently with the uh, events going on in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the war is finally coming to an end. The longest war in U.S. history. Isn't that crazy? Um, it's oh my god, it's crazy. It's, it's mind blowing. And I know, I know plenty of people. I used to work for the army. I wasn't in the army, but I worked for the army. I know plenty of people that served there, and you know, former veterans. And a lot of them are, you know, and a lot of I've been reading, just having a tough time dealing with it mm-hmm. because when you think about it, the U.S. hasn't had that war where there's that welcome home moment, like you had no. in World War II, no. where you have the parade and everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Welcome home, boys." That hadn't happened in decades. Like these right. things have been disasters for the most part and I just can't imagine what what's that what that's doing for them mentally they already ranked the highest among suicides right and one of the what what we're seeing in current veterans is very similar to what we saw in Vietnam veterans because Vietnam veterans got a very unhappy welcome home and so you're and and they carry I would say they had a, a lot of damage um, for that. And so we're actually seeing that trend spending back around um, also because um, we've been, you know, in the war for so long, you'll also get guys that got out that feel guilty that they got out. You know, did mm-hmm. I, you know, I, what do I do with that? You also have the youngest um, veterans that are coming back where they had the longest tours in this war. They had the, most back to back. So there used to have to be a 16 month period before you could go back. Um, and it, it changed to eight months. So you've got yeah. more, more tours, shorter amount of recovery time and younger people. So their brains not even fully developed. They're not even completely mm. sure of who they are, you know, and they're coming back. And because it's been going on so long, we don't have a lot of resources. So and really some, and some weren't even alive when the war started. Nope. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? That is absolutely wild. And so really figuring out, you know, how do we help, you know, at at the recovery process too? And and what do we do kind of with these very young, so you're just getting the youngest, the youngest back. And like when I said, I worked with veterans, people immediately think old people. And I'm like, most of these men and women are younger than me. Yeah. And so it, it, and the suicide rate, uh, I mean, it's gone up. It's I think 15% higher the last time I checked a couple months ago. Um, And, and it's just, and again, I think we got to look at the, the human spirit and, and whether you agree with the war, don't agree with the war, the politic piece of it, you know, these are human beings and we got to figure out how to wrap each other in kindness. And I think, you know, that's a theme uh, with everything that we've talked about tonight is figuring out how to do that in a world that's giving us, you know, so much hate across the board and impacting everybody so differently and just, and trying to find a way to, to wrap each other in kindness, I think is something that we can all relate to. Absolutely. Yeah. that. So, so beautifully said. Well, you guys were bringing it out in me. I've I've now had this aha moment that I need to be a better sports fan, which is going to make me a better partner. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate you guys. Can I pay you for this? 
I do okay with my with my little my little bachelors. I do all right. Uh, hey, you know what? Some of the <laughs> best therapists that I have gone to um, have master's degrees, bachelor degrees. Um, you meet the right person that can speak your language, and healing comes in all shapes and sizes. So, so we should definitely at some point in the se- during the season have another episode. We'll check in with you with your Titans fandom. See how that's going. Make make sure I put my money where my mouth is. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you'll hold me accountable. You'll hold me accountable, gentlemen. Yeah, like if Ryan Tannehill like starts and he's like has twenty touchdowns and and five interceptions, like we're 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 gonna know what the deal is. Like you guys are gonna like follow my Instagram and be like, she was so full of shit. Look at her bragging about the thing. Yo, I I when we were recording, I did follow the page group on Instagram. So (laughs) oh, I'm um, screwed now. I'm screwed. Sure, (laughs) keeping. Dang it. All right. I got to go to my other account. I'm going to be like the adolescent that has a secret account. Oh, you'll pull the burner burner out? Yeah, exactly. We should talk about that on on another episode. Gentlemen, I've had so much fun. You guys have really made my mind, and that's what I love talking about this stuff and psychology and sports and community because it makes my mind. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about people that I'm seeing tomorrow that I can connect with some of the stuff we talked about, so I really appreciate the conversation. Well, we appreciate having you on. We're so glad that we're finally able to do this. Um, please, if if you're in the Texas area, even not in the Texas area, go to thepavedgroup.com. Uh, you can follow Dr. Mitchell on Instagram at the Pave Group. Um, this was a pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. And Adam, um, on a serious note, I'm sending so much, so many blessings towards your family. And um, if you guys ever need anything, you've got a therapist that is always willing to listen, and I, I truly mean that. So I'm sending so much healing your way. Thank you so much. I greatly, I greatly appreciate it. Um, it's, it's, it's good to see it, you know, so much good that's still in this world. Obviously my job deals with a lot of, a lot of shitty and a lot of bad. And so, you know, I, I see a lot of bad, but it's been very refreshing these last couple of days to, to see how much good they're, they're you know. They're well, I hope is. it keeps coming your way. And if you ever forget, you know where to find me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell. Yeah, We're y'all back. have a great weekend. You too. We're going to get out of here. We're out. Thank you. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.